Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. What a week it has been. Berserk, bonkers, sleazy Joe Biden has gone haywire on television. We've seen the videos of him wandering around lost. We even saw when he came to England uh, for an important summit meeting him attempting, apparently, to walk off a pier into the sea, saved only by his good wife, who turned him round and marched him back in a landward direction. We've seen him utterly unable to read out the words on his auto-cues. We've seen him misspeak and misstate names, dates and places, and even confuse his sister for his wife. But this week saw perhaps the worst of all Joe Bidens. Take a quick look at this. The impact what happened on July the 6th had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand. The impact what happened on July the 6th had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand. Well, I don't know if that's a Botox nightmare or whether it's a plastic surgery meltdown or whether it's some kind of stroke. But Joe Biden is in no fit state to run America, even less to run the world, even less to run a world at war. Joe Biden thinks that events in Washington happened not on January the 6th, but on July the 6th. And he thinks that it had international repercussions that none of us can understand, when in fact, in comparison to a weekday sojourn down the Champs-Élysées in France with a yellow vest on, it was a minor skirmish of people in buffalo hats and red Indian regalia trying to get through unlocked doors with the complicity of the security state, as is now becoming clear. Joe, it was January the 6th, not July the 6th, and it had no international ramifications at all. And whatever happened to your face? I'm not being unkind. I have said many times that this is elder abuse. His family, his party, his government, is actually engaging on in cruelty towards an elderly man no longer in control of his faculties or his bowels, as His Holiness the Pope found in the Vatican uh, towards the end of last year. This is a man who sleeps with the nuclear football. He sleeps with a bag that contains the nuclear codes that could send 
thermonuclear intercontinental ballistic missiles into orbit, into action. He is the man that can bring humanity on this planet to a complete halt, a complete destruction of every living being and thing on this planet. Let's just hope he doesn't confuse the nuclear codes for his alarm clock. Let's just hope that stumbling in a hurry to get to his hourly visit to the lavatory, he doesn't trip over that nuclear football. This is a clear and present danger to the safety and peace of the world. Never mind to the good governance of the United States of America. But even when he's not on screen, the things he's saying are increasingly unhinged. This week, he accused Iran of fueling the war in Ukraine because it is selling to Russia the drone technology that is being used in the war. But Joe Biden has sent $112 billion to fuel the war in Ukraine. Not only that, he sent Boris Johnson as his secret weapon to stop Zelensky from bringing the war to a close nearly eight months ago. Joe Biden is the man who is fueling the war in Ukraine. It's Biden and America and NATO, not Iran, that are fueling the war. How come NATO is allowed to send hundreds of billions of dollars and euros of weapons into the war in Ukraine, but Iran cannot sell drones to one of the belligerents in that war in Ukraine? What's the thinking behind that? What's the logic when you decide to make a statement like that? Have you no self-awareness at all? Are you allowed to send any weapons to anybody, but other people are not allowed to send weapons to anybody? Russia and Iran are partners. They have mutual defense responsibilities. They have treaty obligations. They are close relations. Why would one not be allowed to give weapons to the other? When you are allowed to give all the weapons that the military-industrial complex can produce, what's the thinking behind a statement like that? I'll tell you what the thinking is. Have you noticed, as I just have, that they have stopped talking about RTP? It's a while since you've heard it, so I'll refresh your memory. RTP was the doctrine devised by Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. What a couple. What a gruesome twosome. That they used, the doctrine that they used to attack Yugoslavia. They couldn't get an attack on Yugoslavia through the United Nations Security Council, so they invented a new set of rules, which they later called the Rules-Based International Order. 
You don't hear anything about that now either. The RTP stood for Right to Protect, by which any country had the right to arrogate to itself the right to protect any other people under attack or under threat of attack. That's the basis on which Britain and the United States and NATO got involved in the war in Yugoslavia to protect people that they themselves defined as being in need of protection. Why don't they use that doctrine anymore? Because, of course, Russia would have the right to protect its co-religionists, its co-compatriots, its Russian-speaking people in the east of Ukraine, indisputably, according to the uh, Council of Europe, according to all of the international observers, under ceaseless attack from the regime in Kiev since 2014. 14,000 people were killed. Would Russia not have a right to protect them? under the Clinton-Blair doctrine of RTP, of course they would. And therefore, they stopped talking about it. The rules-based international order, ditto, because the rules-based international order includes the right to protect. In other words, to step outside of international law outside of the UN Security Council and take unilateral or bilateral or multilateral action wherever you decide that the rules you have devised are being broken. Now, of course, it's all going disastrously wrong. I've just seen the front page of The Economist. I can't bear to open it. But the front page of The Economist still maintains, on this day of all days, that Ukraine can win the war against Russia. On the day that a Russian private military company, the Wagner Group, defeated NATO in the city of Solidar and is now, right now, mopping up in the catacombs of that city that ancient city of salt, has now fallen not to the Russian armed forces, they're not even fighting there, but to a Russian mercenary group of private military contractors. That's how badly the war is going for Ukraine and for NATO. And of course, with the fall of Solidar, ineluctably comes the fall of Bakhmut, Another ancient city riddled with catacombs, underground tunnels in which a fight to the death is this evening occurring. So much so that the head of the Ukrainian military has pleaded with President Zelensky to withdraw, if they can, from the kettle in which they are trapped in Bakhmut for fear of losing thousands of their soldiers on top of the 100,000, according to von der Leyen, or more, 
according to credible military sources that they have already lost. And Zelensky has refused his own army chief's demand that the soldiers be withdrawn from the noose in which they currently are poised. And as somebody, I think Colonel McGregor, just pointed out on social media a few minutes ago, Zelensky will be lucky long before the Russians come if the armed forces of Ukraine don't deal with him, if his own generals don't deal with him, because, well, he is cavorting on the stage of the Golden Globes. They are dying in the most unimaginable horror. Don't look at the videos I've looked at. I beg you, don't look at these young Ukrainian men giving their lives for a coke-sniffing, cross-dressing, porn actor, billionaire, cavorting with his film star friends in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, at the Golden Globes. Speaking of Golden, let me bring up Gordon Brown. We call him Goldfinger because he was such a financial wizard. He sold most of Britain's gold reserves at the bottom of the gold market. He was a wizard as the Iron Chancellor, to be sure. Now, it pains me to say what I'm going to say because I have literally known Gordon Brown well since both of us were teenagers. We were, I was his chairman of the Scottish Labour Party. I was 26, he was 28. I have been in politics with him for 50 years. I like him as a person, despite all of our political differences. I respect his intellect, but his grasp of reality, his grasp of self-awareness has clearly now entirely deserted him because just this day he set out a whole manifesto of putting Putin on trial in a Nuremberg-style tribunal for the crime of making aggressive war. But Gordon Brown was effectively the number two in Tony Blair's government who paid for the entire bill of Britain's aggressive war, illegal, unprovoked war against Iraq, never mind against Afghanistan before it, never mind against Yugoslavia before it. Gordon Brown is as guilty as anyone on the earth of the war crime, the ultimate crime of launching aggressive war as defined by the Nuremberg Tribunal. So if Vladimir Putin should be on trial, Gordon, what about you? Why wouldn't you also be on trial? Your war was illegal, according to the Secretary General of the United Nations. Kofi Annan. Putin's war is not illegal. It is legal. 
to come to the defense of your compatriots under attack in a territory next door to you. That's what happened with Vietnam and Pol Pot. That's what happened with Tanzania and Idi Amin. And that's what happened in Kosovo, Gordon. It is not unprovoked to launch an attack on a country that is killing your compatriots, but it is unprovoked to invade and occupy Iraq in defiance of a decision of the Security Council of the United Nations. Iraq did not pose a threat to Britain or America or any of its neighbors. It did not have weapons of mass destruction. But you invaded it. And you are co-responsible for the deaths of a million people in Iraq. And you want to put Putin on trial? Gordon, pipe down. Go off and do good works in Africa. Stop drawing attention to the most grotesque blunders and crimes of which you yourself are guilty as sin, as guilty as any sin ever denounced by your father in that pulpit in Kirkcaldy. And you know it. It's written in every line on your increasingly haunted face. I've only got a minute to tell you that the rally, no to NATO, no to war, in central London on the 25th of February, for which 1,019 people had registered to attend, has been cancelled without explanation by the church in which it was supposed to be held. I don't know who is responsible for the cancellation, but we will find out in the court because we have begun the necessary legal action to secure compensation for the expenditure we had already made and for the loss of income that we would have made from that event. I'm talking transatlantic airplane tickets, Reverend. I'm talking European and domestic rail fares, Reverend. I'm talking hotel bills, Reverend. I'm talking lost book sales, Reverend. I'm talking all kinds of costs that are going to mount to many thousands of pounds that you will have to pay me, either before we get to court or in the court. And if we are in the court, we'll be able, through the process of discovery, to learn exactly how an event about which you knew everything in advance when you took our money in advance came to be cancelled. You were told in writing who would be speaking at the rally. You were told in writing the subject that would be discussed at the rally. You have no legal leg to stand on. You have breached a written, paid contract with us. And it's going to cost you dearly. Not to mention 
the blow to your reputation as the flagship liberal branch of the Church of England just off the Euston Road. Flagship liberal, really? You, Reverend, have been got at. Whether you were got at by the government or got at by a foreign government or got at by the agents of our government or a foreign government or got at by the low-life hordes, the black hundreds that infest with their excremental pro-war propaganda. I don't know. But as I say, we'll find out unless you settle well in a... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Advance. We've got a poll running. Thousands of people have voted on it, and it doesn't look great for you, sleazy Joe. Is Joe Biden dangerously demented? He's dangerous, that's obvious. He's demented, equally obvious. But is he now dangerously demented, is the question. On Twitter, uh, it is yes, 68%, no, 32%. Who are these 32% is what I'm asking myself. But on YouTube, it's yes, 94%, no, 6%. And on Telegram, it's yes, 94%, no, 6%. So the overwhelming majority of respondents so far think that the President of the United States, the most powerful man on the planet, is dangerously demented. My next guest knew him well. So well, he sexually assaulted her. Not that you have been able to learn the grisly details of that, because it turns out in the Twitter files and other recent revelations that Tara Reid's testimony was targeted by the American security state so that the allegations would not become widely enough known to affect the outcome of the presidential election in 2020. Just another example of electoral interference, not by a foreign government, but by the American deep state itself in US democracy. But she's a woman with a good and stout heart who has refused to be silenced 
and one of the places she has regularly been able to talk is here on the mother of all talk shows and I am very glad to say she joins us again now. Tara, before we uh, return to your personal knowledge uh, of Joe Biden, and I promise you we will, uh, let me uh, take you to that video that I showed at the beginning of the show, where Biden appears the most demented yet of many demented videos. His face falling like waxwork melting. His diction almost indecipherable. And his recollection of events confusing January the 6th with July the 6th becoming such that if the 25th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is not under active consideration by his cabinet, then God help us all. What did you think of the latest Joe Biden? Well, there's so many, you know. I mean, but there you have it. He's he's not um, cognitively, obviously, present. Um, they recently, uh, I believe it was yesterday, he was in Mexico City and was talking about, he was being questioned about files that were discovered Ukraine among them that were actually classified in a locked closet of a think tank. Now CNN is doing their spin and trying to softball it, but he became very confused um, about uh, these files and couldn't answer the question and said he has a lot of classified files. Well, in US law, you're not um, a representative of the government is not supposed to have classified documents off site or without clearance and that kind of thing. And at the time he was the vice president, so he shouldn't have had them at all. But um, one of those files is on Ukraine, interestingly enough, around 2014. So there you have it. I mean, you well, have- yeah, I, 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 I was going to ask you about these files, Tara, because uh, here we have there was a gigantic hue and cry and an FBI raid yes. on the private residence of uh, the former president, Trump, over his alleged possession of documents that should never have been taken out of the White House. And now we have the head of the government that ordered that raid on Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. uh, caught in his think tank with documents, not only that shouldn't have been brought out of the White House, but which he, as the then vice president, should not even have been in possession of at all. Exactly. And, and the way that the corporate U.S. media is handling it or the Western media is, is really what's significant here, George. I mean, they're trying to spin it as not a big deal. They made a huge deal out of Donald Trump, um, you know, and members of, of the Democratic Party were calling for all kinds of punishments for Dom- Donald Trump. And now that it's Joe Biden, um, there's a lot of backpedaling and, of course, hypocrisy. But what's really notable about, about, about all of this is the weaponization of the intelligence community, you know, the the DOJ, the CIA, the FBI, and the collusion with social media and media to shape the narrative. And so that's one example of how they're trying to shape a narrative or suppress a story, spin it out the way they want, instead of just presenting the facts and letting people know the information. So we are definitely in an information war because they are trying to push the proxy war against Russia via Ukraine and the billions of dollars that they're spending And as you know, the U.S. just passed a bill for 858 
billion dollars to go to the defense budget um, alone, which is the largest in history. We're in fact next year, if they raise it at the same rate, it will be a trillion dollars towards defense. We are we're spending five times the amount of any other country in the world in some cases um, on defense. And so, yes, so you mentioned my story. My story was among many that were suppressed and censored. Um, the DOJ actually took my communications under sealed warrants. Why, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a regular citizen. I came forward about what happened to me um, when I worked for Joe Biden as an aide. And for that, um, to punish me or scare me, they've um, let me know, so to speak, that I'm surveilled and I'm you know, under the microscope. So US citizens shouldn't have to face this mass surveillance, mass censorship, mass suppression, also that, that a political party, or let's just say neoliberals, right? Because it's Western, it's the Western world, trying to push their agenda and their economic gains and lining their pockets you know, and, and you mentioned Ukraine early in your show. And to give an example, Lockheed Martin, right, you know, and some of the bigger corporations like Raytheon, together, those companies have made almost a trillion dollars since last February on. So, of course, there's this economic incentive to keep this war going. The, the U.S. has just pivoted from Afghanistan to Ukraine. And meanwhile, U.S. citizens are suffering. We have 41% inflation. A dozen eggs, George, are eight American dollars now in your average thing. Fuel is as out of the charts. And I know that Great Britain is suffering as well in other European companies, countries, excuse me. So you have all of this suffering happening while these weapons manufacturers are lining their pockets and they're weaponizing social media media to craft their message censor, control. And so when important things come up, like Biden's hiding, you know, classified files in a locked closet, right, of a think tank, or the Hunter Biden laptop, which was a valid story, New York Post was actually, you know, suppressed. So it's really a dangerous time that we live in. And um, who's winning are the neoliberal and neocon hawks, unfortunately, that are warmongering. Well, it's a dangerous time, not least because the people who used to be a bulwark against the overweening state, the creep of censorship, uh, the dark actors of the security forces of all uh, kinds, are now its most enthusiastic supporters. So we now have a situation where the so-called liberals so-called progressives, so-called democrats, are the biggest enemies of democracy and free speech and holding government to account. That's what's truly new and dangerous about this situation, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, just the example of the way the Twitter files have unrolled right, to reveal this collusion between DOJ and FBI. Former FBI agents and former DOJ were, were working at Twitter in executive positions. They were calling each other, deciding who was going to be suppressed, what story was going to be censored, and having these conversations. Meanwhile, Jack Dorsey testified before Congress and lied, basically, because he said shadow banning wasn't happening and censoring wasn't happening. Well, it was. And now the Twitter files are proving just how cozy that relationship was. Not only that, but the FBI paid $3 million for some of the information. So they're not only harvesting information 
right, about users, consumers of these social media platforms, but they're censoring them and um, also making sure that their political candidate, in this case, it was Joe Biden's campaign and the Democrats were amplified and Republicans, for instance, were suppressed. That's very dangerous indeed. That's shaping elections. That's changing the course of the history of the world. And now here we are. And I got into a lot of trouble, as you know, George Galloway, in, in, in 2020, when I said, if Joe Biden becomes president, he will try to take us to war to Russia. And here we are. We're almost at World War III. I mean, I think it was last week, they put orders down that now Ukrainian soldiers are going to be trained in the United States at military sites, trained to use weapons and sent back. So, I mean, they're saying that it's a proxy war, right? But I think we're, we were approaching now a hot war and we're even closer to World War III. But the voices that of citizens, American, European, that are trying to say, we don't want war, we don't want this, we're being silenced and censored all over. Well, Jack was either lying to Congress or things were happening in his company that he didn't know about. Uh, that is, of course, possible, though doesn't reflect uh, well on him. But the new ownership of Twitter has uh, opened at least some of these sinister cabinets and, uh, and revealed all kinds of horrific things, some of which you've referred to. Uh, tell us what happened uh, this week, because I saw your name come up. What did you discover about what they had been doing to you? Well, apparently uh, Twitter, I, I knew about this a little because a Twitter attorney um, from Perkins Coie had reached out to me and said, um, they made a motion in court because it was a sealed document that their, my communications, everything had been taken under sealed warrants. And he said, assume this isn't just Twitter, this is everything, email, everything. And I said, okay, and, um, but there wasn't much to do. You can try to quash, but when you're up against the DOJ, you can't. They impaneled a grand jury. And to this day, I don't know why it's sealed. My attorney tried to find out, investigative reporters have tried to find out. It is simply um, pending. So it's been pending. So apparently, um, according to a reporter, one of the reasons that the Biden campaign wanted the DOJ to surveil me was they wanted to find out what journalists were covering my story. So that's one theory. I don't know if that's fact. Um, that was the theory that was presented. Whatever happened to the Me Too mantra that women must be believed? Uh, you are a living, breathing example of a woman that uh, was not only not believed, but whose allegations were actively suppressed, therefore. Yeah, you know, when it happened, um, when I worked for Joe Biden, I went through protocol. I didn't go public. And I was very quiet about it, as you know, because we've had this conversation for a long, long time. Um, I went through the proper protocols, but it was never properly investigated ever. So when I came forward in 2019 is when eight other women came forward. As you mentioned, I thought the Me Too movement would be there for me. Well, it wasn't. Um, it's there for anyone accusing a Republican um, in the United States. But if you're accusing a neoliberal um, they seem to go for the hills, right? Uh, and I think the only reason that Cuomo was brought to heel was because of the nursing home scandal and because there was a criminal investigation that resulted in 
him being able to be thrown under the bus. They were done with Cuomo. With Biden, you know, he's still being propped up. And, you know, you mentioned at the top of our, our discussion here about his um, possible dementia. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor, but his cognitive abilities obviously are, are quite question, questioned by a lot of people. Um, but it's, it's the people around him that are dangerous, you know, and it's particularly when we're this close to possible World War III, when they're talking about nuclear, limited nuclear war, and they're actually having conversations. Like I keep hoping that there are people that I knew years ago that are back behind the scenes working for peace, but there aren't. If you look at who makes up some of those jobs, it's a very, um, a group of people that are very enriched. So I call them, you know, the predator class, the predator elite class, right? They're lining their pockets right now. They'll take the war to just so much of a brink and then try to pull back. But, you know, we're learning a lot, George. Like, uh, you know, for instance, we've learned that there was a memo, right, saying that NATO wasn't going to expand. That got released in FOIA, in Freedom of Information Act. There was an agreement with Gorbachev back when with the Soviet Union that the NATO was not going to expand its borders. And for the last two decades, it has it's expanded to the point where it's presented an existential threat to Russia. Of course, they're protecting their borders. And as you mentioned, they're protecting the 14,000 people that were murdered. They're protecting their families and other people and Russian nationals there in the Donbass region. And, you know, but, but in our media, in the Western media, they're denying that there's Nazis in Ukraine. There's denying that there's a kill website, a Ukrainian kill site which has 337 children on it. I've spoken to one of them, Faina, who is on a kill site where um, 12 journalists have been killed. And once someone's killed, they put liquidated. They dox these people. They have journalists. I think Roger Waters is on that website. And I've been told some others. So, you know, the but Western media won't cover it. So again, we're just, we're just being um, lied to as citizens. And, you know, I, I actually shared, it's so interesting, George, I shared your speech that you gave in Congress today. I shared it when you were talking about Iraq, um, because that was such a powerful speech that you gave when you called out the senators in the U.S. back then about them lying about weapons of mass destruction, destruction and all that. And here we are, we're reliving those lies again all to benefit the military. Indeed so, uh, yeah, in, indeed we are. Uh, and Henry Kissinger's outfit this day uh, released now indisputable evidence that the United States did promise Gorbachev that NATO would not expand one inch east of Germany. That's what I was referring uh, to, yeah. This, of course, was a verbal uh, promise. Uh, Gorbachev was too flattered and stupid to get it in copper-bottomed writing, but it was a clear promise nonetheless, as Kissinger uh, has made clear this day. Yeah, and, and there's been plenty of memos and discussions about this. I mean, the fact that NATO should have been dissolved. I mean, it should be dissolved. There's no reason, um, but there you have it. We have, we have NATO, and it's become this arm of the... U.S. military industrial complex, and it's it's just generating income for the people that benefit from that, sadly. And the people that suffer are civilians and, and you know, your working class people everywhere. Civilians and the, and, the poor, and the poor bloody infantry being killed 
in Bakhmut and in Solidar at, at this very hour. Last question. It's a difficult one, Tara. If you don't want to answer it, uh, feel free to decline. But you told us in 2019 that Joe Biden was not a fit and proper person to be the president of the United States because of your own personal experience with him. When do you think this cognitive decline that is evident now to everyone, when do you think that set in? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, I, I that's a good question. I mean, actually, um, a lot of people noticed it um, on the campaign trail. They kept him pretty, I mean, it was COVID, so there was the joke about him being in the basement. But there was a reason why they didn't have him out and about very much, because he had a tendency to be, you know, to not have very good filters. So I think the first sign was just the filters being dropped. But of course, at the time that I knew him, he was at the height of his um, senatorial power. He was younger and he was quite fit. So there were no cognitive. He wasn't the most brilliant guy. He was known to be, um, you know, kind of a and I, and I and you were in politics long enough. You probably heard he wasn't an intellectual giant at all. He wasn't like um, a learned politician. He was more, you know, in it for the glory of it, I guess, if you will. But the signs really showed even on the campaign trail. You'd see him lose his temper, things like that with with constituents. It was there. People just, I mean, the machine, the Biden campaign machine was just in operation and they kept it going. So now, you know. Tara Reid, thanks for joining us yeah. on the mother of all talk shows. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you. Uh, is Joe Biden dangerously demented is the poll on my Twitter, on my YouTube channel. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm on 200 and 36,000 subscribers now, but I'm determined this year to get to a quarter of a million. Please do me that favor. It will cost you nothing. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and Telegram, that's t.me forward slash George Galloway. And the poll is going big time and it's overwhelmingly stating that most people overwhelmingly regard Joe Biden as dangerously demented. Let me take a short break. The 1897 edition of War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, read by George Galloway, available only on Patreon. The cylinder was artificial, hollow, with an end that screwed out. Something within the cylinder was unscrewing the top. Good heavens, said Ogilvy. There's a man in it, men in it, half roasted to death, trying to escape. At once, with a quick mental leap, he linked the thing with the flash on Mars. The thought of the confined creature was so dreadful to him that he forgot the heat and went forward to the cylinder to help turn. But luckily, the dull radiation arrested him before he could burn his hands on the still glowing metal.
are listening to the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. That was me reading The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. I'm not Orson Welles, but I'm the next best thing. The, be the, the best living practitioner of the spoken word, as someone described me on Twitter today. And that can be found on my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. Now, phone lines. Manuel is in Brazil. Let's hear from him. Uh, Manuel, uh, tell us what's happening uh, on the streets of Brazil, some disturbing developments there over the weekend. Yeah, hi, George. I hope you're doing well today. Yeah, well, uh, as you saw, the events on Sunday were totally disgraceful. There are reports of people peeing and defecating in the presidential palace. They destroyed everything they saw on their way. Uh, they also stole pieces of art and guns and whatever they could take. So as a result, like many people are comparing it to what happened uh, two years ago uh, in the United States. Uh, now, I know like Jim Dore, he supposed that it was an inside job, uh, orchestrated mainly by the FBI. First of all, I would like to ask you if uh, you think that like deep state forces behind what happened in Brazil. Now, because there are like also similarities in the sense that uh, the governor of Brasilia is uh, an associate and an ally from Jair Bolsonaro, and the security chief of Brasilia, he was in, in the, on vacations in, in, in Florida at the same time, so like, what a coincidence. Now, uh, I also know that you're, uh, uh, you know Lula, so I might ask my second question, what do you think that Lula should do about it? Because if he goes too harsh on these people, that this is gonna further the divide in this society, which is just like one side of the, the, of the, of the population wants a democracy and the other half, or like less the half, wants just a military government. So what can be done about it? Because if he goes too harsh, he's gonna, Further distribution, but if he's too weak, he might then lose grip on power. And my final question for you: What what do you think Bolsonaro is going to do now? He's in Florida, but uh, now he said he was sick, I think, uh, like uh, stomach pain or something, and he's hospitalized. That's also a coincidence. And uh, I, I understand that he wants to uh, apply for uh, citizenship in Brazil because his uh, grandparent or great grandparent was uh, Italian. But now I saw that Meloni was condemning. Uh, the event, so she's like a very proper face. You know, you, you don't know which way she's gonna go. No, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be in a position to give Lula any advice on this. It's far too sensitive a matter, and I'm not in uh, possession of all the facts. But the fact that Bolsonaro flew to the United States and is now in hospital in the United States, perhaps to give himself some distance between events that are occurring on the ground in Brazil is a deeply worrying development. On the other hand, Lula does appear still to have the support of the judiciary, which once imprisoned him, and still to have the support of the institutions, including the armed forces uh, in Brazil. Uh, as long as those two things remain the case, uh, then one expects that with the mass support of just over half of the people in Brazil, Lula can, uh, can hold on. Uh, but he should place his ultimate faith in the people. He should mobilize the people 
of Brazil. He should mobilize and organize the people of Brazil to defend democracy in the country in case any of those current factors begin to loosen. Manuel, thanks for bringing us up to date on that. Rafael is in Vermont in the United States. Let's hear from him. Rafa, go ahead. Hey, guys, always a pleasure to be a, to be a participant in this show. Uh, I, did a few, I did a few research today, you know, so I can put what is happening right now into context. I want everybody to understand the war in Ukraine is over as far as far Russia is concerned. They, it's over. They did everything they're supposed to do and the rest of the war. Now, if, if the United States keep on acting up that way in NATO, Russia is going to start going after them. People, Russia is in no mood to keep on playing around. So what I want everybody to understand, once Gettysburg happened and the Confederate lost Gettysburg, the war is over. So the Union just sat there, so Lee knew this war is over. You need to start working a way so we can end that end this. So that game we are playing right now, the game we are playing right now is, I want everybody to understand what is happening. The United States, they are, Joe Biden is a Dixie crap. This man, he thinks he can treat Russia the same way the Israelis are, are treating the Palestinians, where no matter what, we are the power, we're going to tell you what to do. And they take Russia is the Palestinians. And they are sadly mistaken because Russia is a superpower. The Russians know it. The Russians had four wars to observe, to learn, to study everything about the United States and to prepare for this conflict. I want everybody, people, everybody is saying one thing. Oh, what the American will do, what NATO will do. Putin, in his speech, he made it clear for you. Understand the word Putin used. He said, um, he said the American people like to intimidate people. You know when a military person tells you you like to intimidate? So it's a way for him to tell you, I know you don't want to fight me. I know you cannot fight me. And if you mess no. around, we're going to come after you. Russia is not a fight. Well, that's right. Fight uh, yeah, that's right, uh, Raphael. As uh, Stoltenberg said in his, uh, his uh, valedictory address, uh, the NATO powers have emptied their inventories for Ukraine. As I joked the other day, uh, actually, uh, if Russia wanted to, which of course it doesn't, there is nothing to stop them marching all the way to Berlin again. Uh, there is nothing to stop them overrunning uh, all of these barking, yapping, uh, minor NATO powers. Uh, but luckily for all of us, they have no wish or intention of doing that. Because if they did keep their tanks rolling all the way to Berlin, we simply don't have the weapons, the materiel, and above all, the ammunition 
uh, to stop them. So the war is over in that sense, but not in the sense that the suffering has stopped. As I said earlier, I've been watching videos this evening of really horrific carnage uh, that is continuing. Uh, even now in Solidar, which has fallen, and in now in Bakhmut, which is soon to fall. The suffering of the Ukrainian soldiers, never mind the suffering of the Ukrainian people who don't have electricity, don't have water in this bitter, cold uh, Russian winter, uh, is truly heartbreaking, at least for someone who cares about the people of Ukraine, as I do and always have, and as most people now supporting Ukraine, who never gave a moment's thought before, definitely haven't. China is, of course, the rising sun in the world, and it is rising in the East, and rising at a particularly early hour to come on our show this evening is Li Jingjing, the a famous Chinese broadcaster and journalist and a big favourite, I can assure you, Li Jingjing with the mother of all talk shows viewers. Thanks uh, for not just being here but looking so fabulous at this early hour. Uh, tell us, uh, I made the point uh, earlier that you'd think with everything that's going on in Eastern Europe that they'd be laying off China at least for a while. But that isn't so. Tell us. Mm. Um, first, thank you for, for your wonderful introduction about me, George. Always, uh, always so happy to be here. So, yeah, um, like China looks like the, we had a joke, uh, like China is like the, oh, the United States is like a jealous ax uh, when, <laughs> uh, he, when he look at uh, different parts of the world having a relationship with China. They're felt so jealous. And apparently China is always on their mind. Um, they attack China on almost on every issue, but most recently we know is the on COVID, uh, China lifting COVID restrictions. It's on almost all major uh, Western mainstream media. It's, it's so hilarious. So I've recently recovered from COVID and back to work uh, very well. And uh, but the thing is, when I look at all these headlines on this Western mainstream media, it really gives me headache. Uh, the headache is much worse than COVID. Uh, for example, uh, what we are seeing now is once again the flip flop of tactics of this Western several Western mainstream media attacking China. Uh, they went from uh, those who are crazily attacking. China's strict COVID policies and lockdowns, and now suddenly pretending they care about uh, how Chinese people will be affected uh, by the COVID after China eased the restrictions. I was just writing about this today. When China had the strictest lockdown and anti-COVID measures, they were denounced as tyrannical, authoritarian, accused of bricking people in their houses and so on. Now that China has lifted most of its COVID restrictions, having secured a, co a COVID outcome better than any country in the whole world, China is being attacked for recklessly lifting the very COVID restrictions that were denounced in the first place. Exactly. 
I was like, make up your mind, you people. Like you went from, oh, your draconian COVID policy is, 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 is damaging people's living standards. And now they're like, oh, you're just gonna let the COVID rip? It's like, what do you want? The thing is, um, the way the attack China made has a U-turn, but what didn't change is their consistent, continuous anti-China tactic. And this damned if you do, damned if you don't attitude once again proved these several Western uh, media, uh, politicians, commentators don't care about whether COVID truly affects Chinese people's lives. They're just using it as an excuse to further paint China as an evil country. And their negative reporting on China has gone absolutely absurd. I can give you an example. The recent opinion piece uh, published by uh, Wall Street Journal, the headline is... COVID is China's price for rejoining humanity. Rejoining humanity. Since when were we not part of humanity? They basically kicked us out of humanity because we took strict COVID measures to protect our people. And such a racist headline towards Chinese people, I don't know who greenlight that at the Wall Street Journal, but this kind of racist uh, headlines targeting Chinese people are not rare. Uh, I think this kind of racist terms uh, referring to any race in the world are cannot be tolerated, but it's suddenly okay when it's describing Chinese people as the like the evil force. So, and don't forget, like uh, I think uh, this is the I want to mention this bill because uh, blaming China is really big and a very well paid industry. Not only those. Uh, Journalists, commentators can get a lot of views, just bad-mouthing China. And uh, in 2021, uh, the United States Senate of the United States passed a bill called, called um, Counter-Chinese Influence Act. And that bill authorized a countering Chinese influence fund, uh, which allocates 300 million US dollars for each fiscal year from 2022 to 2026 to counter the malign influence of the Chinese Communist Party globally. I don't know what malign influences they're referring to, like lifting people out of poverty, building infrastructures, roads, ports for other countries. And they, they also use that money to train local journalists across the world to read negative stories about Chinese businesses under the Belt and Road Initiative and also create some chaos like... Uh, uh, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It has a certain uh, protests in front of Chinese companies in globally. And they even mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative, BRI, by name in that bill. You can Google it, you can find that bill in the website of Senate of the United States. So apparently attacking China is their, <laughs> is their businesses. It doesn't matter what we do. It, it, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're evil no matter what. Well, I, personally, I would laugh at them. And if it's any consolation to you, uh, more people read the back of the breakfast cereal packets in a medium-sized 
city in China than read the Wall Street uh, Journal. Uh, but it's not just, of course, uh, COVID. Uh, let's take uh, big tech, for example. Uh, the world has been treated to scare stories for the last couple of years that companies like Huawei or, uh, or TikTok provided a back door, they called it, uh, out of which China could extract secrets uh, and, uh, and personal uh, data uh, about people. But it turns out, as we now know from the Twitter files, that the CIA and the FBI were not just in the back door, but the front door and coming through every window of everything you ever wrote or ever read on any of the Western big tech platforms. You, it takes your breath away, this level of hypocrisy. Exactly. You mentioned Twitter file. I think uh, Elon Musk published Twitter file, and we didn't see all these major Western mainstream media who claim they love defending freedom and democracy to report this, right? No major media report this Twitter file. And they're crazily attacking Chinese companies or companies from any, uh, from any country that they don't like uh, of, of uh, spying and stealing uh, their customers' uh, information. But I think um, the institution from the UK did a inv thorough investigation and found no proof that Huawei was stealing uh, their information. On the other hand, what do we do know is the basically all the United States big companies, social platforms, uh, all the companies you know, did steal information from every country and even um, their presidents, uh, Angela Merkel, all these people. And it seems like Europe or all their, all their Western allies are suddenly okay. And <laughs> they're okay, the United States stealing their president's information. Like, huh? So it's de definitely double standards. And uh, uh, I think uh, I also saw this uh, because several Western mainstream media recently uh, crazily uh, publishing some, some stories. They use satellite images they took uh, uh, of the uh, uh, crematoriums and the funeral homes in China, because those images you see people packed uh, at those places. And they want to show that the death numbers in China are, are way higher than uh, it, they announced. But the thing is, there's a big problem with their story is that first, winter sees excessive death, uh, uh, excessive mortality rate across the world because people uh, with the uh, cardiovascular diseases with weakened bones, uh, especially the elderly, are more likely to pass away uh, in winter. So we need to be careful. And also, uh, we have flu and COVID and can also kill more people during the winter times. So, and also, when they compare the images, they didn't come, com especially China, China now is in a very cold winter, and they didn't compare the winter death in different years. They didn't compare whether those places are also packed in previous winters. And they just announced that all the deaths in China are due to COVID, like they have more authorities than doctors. So I, I, don't, I don't, it's, it's hilarious when they talk about China, suddenly 
their common sense, their all their values and start uh, standards suddenly gone. And also, you mentioned Twitter, something very important because uh, uh, I think George, you and I both being heavily attacked and being labeled by this uh, state affiliated media on Twitter, and uh, and even before I was heavily attacked by several um, think tank and the uh, mainstream U.S. mainstream reporters because they uh, they think I was like not telling my own. Uh, opinions. I was controlled. I was just propaganda mouthpiece, and uh, and they want to kick me out of Twitter. I think label thing is really trying to limit our traffic and kick us out of Twitter. And the think tank in Australia called ASPI, Australia Strategic Partner Institute. I think I'm not sure whether I got the name right. ASPI. So they write they write so many reports analyzing all the accounts from China, from Russia, whether they are linked, whether they're coordinated, whether they're real people. But when Elon Musk re released Twitter file, once again, they went silent. Turned out they are the Twitter police. They are using their Twitter to spy on us. Yes, uh, and of course, the media are not just ignoring the Twitter files. Uh, well, they're not ignoring it. They're attacking the journalists who are writing up the Twitter files to discourage anyone else from doing so. Uh, I'm not just labeled. I am shadow banned. A good friend of mine, Manila Chan, uh, just told me an hour ago that if you type in the word George, if you type in the word George Galloway on Twitter, you cannot find me just as I cannot find you when I tried to tag you in to Twitter. So they have actually disappeared me on Twitter. And I still have 446,000 followers, but only about 10% of them ever see anything that I write. Uh, and that's on Twitter. <laughs> that's on Elon Musk's Twitter, which is why I'm in court, which is why this... Uh, mother of all talk shows is important. I hope you'll find me a Chinese sponsor for the midweek show. I'm badly in need of it. There's only one aspect of hypocrisy that uh, I still have time uh, to raise with you. It is mm. this jealousy, the jealous X that you were talking about. Brussels in Belgium is the headquarters of both the EU and NATO, but it was also the headquarters of the heart of darkness that Joseph Conrad wrote about. It was also the empire, King Leopold, that E.D. Morrell and Roger Caseman exposed for the most, and there's a lot of competition in this, but for the most heinous crimes of colonialism in Africa. They, into the 1950s, they still chopped people's hands off for not reaching their rubber quotas. They chopped people's penises off in the Belgian Congo. They murdered the president of the Congo, Patrice Lumumba, and, and dismembered him, boiled him in acid, in the Belgian Congo. And yet now, NATO and the EU are both mounting 
fits of jealousy about China's entirely benign influence in Africa. Instead of chopping people's hands off in Africa, China is giving those hands work in Africa to build airports and highways and ports and infrastructure. How's that for hypocrisy? Exactly. And uh, what I mentioned about that joke, the <laughs> jealous acts, is so true because uh, it probably if it, any viewers are paying attention to the global news, uh, this is like countries in Africa and in Latin America are slowly uh, are more willing to work with China under the Belt and Road Initiative. And they have a much better relationship because China respects their sovereignty, does not interfere the internal um, affairs. So uh, when, when they see like China is getting, or Africa, they are former colonies uh, or the Latin American countries and uh, the Caribbeans, their former colonies or uh, the United States always call their backyard are having a cozy relationship with China. They suddenly like, no, they go to those regions to lecture those people, do not work with China, do not do this. And and uh, I think this year in 2022, uh, they, there's a summit of the Americas and uh, just just last month, they also have the U.S.-Africa Leader Summit. But the thing is, I mean, to quote a, a, a quote uh, from former Chile ambassador to China, is like uh, whenever U.S. politicians came to Latin America, they talk about China. Whenever Chinese politicians came to Latin America, they all they talk about is businesses and corporations. Same with Africa. All the all the Chinese delegations and African delegations talk about is businesses, deals, agendas. What can we benefit? What can we achieve? But you see from the recent uh, the U.S. Africa Leader Summit, there's no achievable goal, goals, and the, the, there's uh, no and just completely different. And they are talking about what we can do, not what we can do for Africa, but what we can do with Africa, which is apparently to 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 reduce China's influence in, in the world. So, and, uh, and then uh, according to an African researcher that I recently interviewed, and she said, and even the African leaders were not consulted prior to the summit. But on the contrary, in the past few decades, uh, the teams from multiple African countries and China are having regular uh, meetings, uh, summits. The leaders from all these uh, countries met with each other, discussed all the plans to check whether all those plans and goals are, are, are going as designed. And also remember, uh, every year Chinese uh, foreign minister's first overseas visit is always Africa, multiple African countries. And this has been happening for 33 years. So this is the respect that uh, many countries in the global south felt they have never been given, never felt like the, uh, the global north had given them. But China has been working with them and uh, giving them this respect for decades. So I think instead of uh, trying to badmouth China with their counter China influence fund, uh, to, to lecture those people, uh, do not work with China. Maybe those people should reflect what they did wrong. Why those people, if there's any debt trap, why those countries are still willing to choose debt trap than choosing you? 
And like you said, tweet, uh, George, like even though we are all shadow banned by by Twitter, but still we got a lot of lot of lots of followers. So instead of attacking us, those journalists with Western mainstream media, they should think why people don't trust them anymore. Why, even though with this label, even though they write they write so many uh, hit pieces towards us, there are still lots of people following us, want to hear us. They still think our voices are uh, more true. So, and so why? They should reflect themselves rather than attacking us. It's like keeping your enemies down, but rather, like, rather than keeping themselves strong. Well said, and a very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us, as always, Li Jinjing, the celebrated Chinese television and journalistic presenter and analyst. The poll has gone overwhelmingly against Joe Biden, but you've still got half an hour or so to cast uh, your vote. Tony is in Liverpool. Very nice to talk to one of my most favorite cities in the world. Tony, what would you like to say? Obviously, we've all seen the events which are happening in the past 48 hours in Solidar, um, ongoing in Bakhmut. Um, and I think the appointments of Valeri, General Valeri Garasimov tonight uh, as the overall theatre commander um, is uh, very important because he's a combined forces commander as opposed to General Surovikin, who was an aerospace and space force commander as we saw in the Syrian campaign which he devised the air campaign there and likewise he's devised the air campaign which we've seen over the past couple of months taking out the critical infrastructure in, um, in Ukraine so I think that does indicate now that it's highly likely that we will see like a ground campaign beginning imminently, particularly with the weather now. Um, the ground is obviously starting to freeze, and it will probably take another week or two before it completely freezes. You need the black soil, the, 15, the top 15 feet of black soil. Um, but I do think the appointment tonight of General Gerasimov is very, very important, and I think people in NATO, in, in all of the, the capitals around NATO nations, Washington, London in particular, they will be very, very aware of General Gerasimov and the appointment. Well, I think that's very shrewd uh, observation, uh, Tony. Uh, the, the ground war offensive uh, that MI6 are predicting is, of course, doesn't take uh, much of a crystal ball. The appointment of Gerasimov, the build-up, of uh, ground forces in Belarus uh, makes it obvious that uh, either one or all five of the main fronts uh, will very soon, I don't think in weeks, I think in days, uh, be subject to a massive Russian advance and the uh, ability of the armed forces of Ukraine whose soldiers have fought extremely bravely uh, if uh, in an ignoble cause for an ignoble regime. Uh, the individual soldiers of the Ukraine have fought very bravely, but they cannot fight on. General Winter is on the battlefield. General Garasimov is on the battlefield. It's 49 degrees below uh, with intense frost and ice. Uh, on the battlefield and the highly mechanized uh, Russian armed forces, now 600,000 strong in the Ukraine, uh, are about to roll over. 
the NATO armies and their uh, mercenaries there. And none of this needed to happen. There could have been a Christmas truce. Zelensky refused it. There could have been a settlement in May. Boris Johnson scuppered it. There could have been no Russian invasion at all on the 25th of February if the Minsk II agreements signed by Ukraine, guaranteed by Germany and France, had been implemented. There could have been no conflict in Ukraine at all if the European Union and the United States had not overthrown the elected government in Ukraine in 2014. There needed to be no animus at all between Ukraine and Russia if it had not been hand-picked by NATO as the front to confront Russia in defiance of the promises made. Thanks to Henry Kissinger, we now know beyond any contradiction at all made to Gorbachev at the uh, point of his agreement to withdraw from East Germany. A promise from the United States that NATO would not enlarge one inch to the east of Germany if he would let the wall come down. So the promises of the United States, the guarantees of Germany and France are worthless. And so, as Putin put it, just I think yesterday or the day before, this matter will now have to be settled by the army, will now have to be settled on the battlefield and the terms available uh, to end this war are now incomparable to the terms that were available at all points up until now. Tony, thanks for that call. Fox News is reporting right now, Joe Biden aides have found a second batch of classified documents being kept at a different location in addition to the ones discovered earlier this week at Joe Biden's think tank office. A second investigation has been launched. I must say, if ever there was an oxymoron, it has to be Joe Biden's think tank. Donald is in Inverness. Let's hear from him. Donald, welcome. Uh, good evening, George, to the, uh, your College of Knowledge is filling us in again on so many different things. Thank you. Uh, following, Thank you. On, uh, following on last week's talk, uh, where you were speaking about the sexualization of children in, with what's being yes. put in schools, uh, yes. one of your correspondents, you know, you, you were asking, he said to him, keep guessing, trying to work out what's going on here. And uh, one of your, Robert from Oregon last week said that he thought this was an international thing. And, and indeed, uh, it must be an international thing because it's happening all over the place. And, uh, you know, with many of these campaigns, what happens is it's like going for the, the low-lying fruit. They... they whoever is behind these things, they, they pick off a particular area of the world or a particular council or, 
uh, or something like that, and they try to get it passed through there, and then they, they keep on bootlegging that somewhere else. Now, going back historically, I mean, people are, are becoming familiar with this phrase about minor attracted adults. It's, it's come into public cognizance in the past uh, year or so in this part of the world. But it actually began over in America with the American Psychiatric Association. Uh, they, uh, are the, they produce a sort of dictionary of, of all the sort of different psychiatric conditions uh, that you can have. And indeed, you and I are probably uh, diagnosed with having something uh, in that book. Uh, but uh, so they diagnose all sorts of things, and they came up with this expression: "the minor attracted adults." Uh, and uh, the, the, the point being that they say that this is normal; uh, it's a normal behaviour. That these are people who function quite normally in public life, and they do this, and they do that, and they do the next thing. So they're normal people, but they have got this minor attraction. Uh, to, 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 to children. Uh, it's a bit similar like saying, well, a thief or a, an adulterer are normal people, but they've got this attraction uh, to, to thieving or, or whatever. And uh, so that what we've actually got here is you've got academics, you've got uh, whole institutions, and the American Psychiatric Association is a very big thing, and these things are, 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 are circulating around the world. And no matter what our doctrine in this country may be, it, you'll find, uh, I, think it, I think it was yesterday I, I heard about Kemi Badenoch, the, 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 the Tory MP. She's got to make up her mind whether these gender reassignment uh, uh, factors, not just in this country, but what is done in another country, uh, and whether we can accept and whether we can endorse what's done in these other countries. So it's almost as if we elect politicians to look after the affairs of this country. But these politicians are now being hamstrung by what's being done in other countries. And these things now circulating back uh, upon us. And so this, is, this, is, this needs to be looked at from an, almost from an international point of view. And that's what... Uh, that's why when Robert from Oregon said that last week, uh, I, we ha I have to agree. And there's, there's lots of different things uh, where, where this is happening. Take, for instance, euthanasia, where you've got some states in America, and this is the point. They pick off one at a time, one at a time. Then you've got stopping people uh, uh, praying uh, for changing their, uh, the conversion therapy uh, in Victoria and Australia. Uh, you've, there's a law already been passed, uh, whereby uh, you're not allowed to you're, you're not allowed to teach these things, and the state is is going to teach ministers uh, what they can say, and because it happens in one part of the world, they then start using that to try to influence other parts of the world, and so all, that's just my pennies worth that I'm throwing into uh, what is what is going on. Although I see it personally as the general attack on the family, uh, uh, if I can now concentrate on the, what's going on in schools, about uh, it, almost separating children from their parents. You pointed out the fact that the children, the parents might not even know that this is being said to the children They've had, uh, in, in schools. 
And this is a separating, in spite of having a, a European Convention on Human Rights where you've got the rights of the family, uh, grandparents don't have the access to their own grandchildren, uh, according to the law that we have now. And now we've got the, the, the parents being separated from the children. And, and this is a, a, a undermining an awful lot of things. Now, if you're a teacher and you're in school and the school and you're, got, you're presented with all these things, we, we've got the problem right now in our country, people going on strike and saying that doctors and nurses and teachers, they can't get recruitment. Well, who wants to become a doctor or a nurse or a teacher if you can't even say that a man's a man or a woman's a woman? And, and, and who, who would want to go into those professions uh, where your whole thinking is being controlled by, by the state in this way? Well, quite so. Uh, well, I don't know any doctor that would uh, accept uh, the diktat of the state, still less actually any minister that would be told by the state what to say. They could scarcely call themselves uh, a minister of God if man was ordering them uh, what to say. That was a very profound call, Donald, and I'm very grateful for it. There's a big demonstration at noon uh, tomorrow in Edinburgh, outside the Scottish Parliament, uh, protesting uh, about the particular and particularly bizarre lacunae which Scotland has become in uh, these controversies. San Francisco, okay. <laughs> you know, but anyone who knows Scotland, as you and I do, this douce, wee Presbyterian country, which has become the Las Vegas uh, of uh, the elimination of women, of the separation of parents from their children, of the celebration of children being pushed down these bizarre, peculiar byways of uh, gender reassignment, hormones, beta blockers, and all the foul propaganda given to small primary school children without their parents' agreement or even knowledge that all this should be happening in Scotland, that Murrayshire, next to you in Inverness, should be the Las Vegas of this sexual license is one of the most inexplicable phenomena that I have experienced in a long life in Scotland. Donald, thank you for uh, all of that. Now, I'm in Sunderland on the 7th of February. I did a great interview with the local radio there, Novo, Nova Radio, I think it's called, uh, last night. I'm grateful to them for that. I made the point on that radio station that if you're unemployed or if you're an old-age pensioner, or if you're just literally unable to pay for the ticket, then contact the venue, uh, and they will uh, sort you out with a free ticket complimentary from me and Gayatri. But more than half of the tickets have already been sold. February 7th is still a month or so away. It's in Sunderland on February the 7th, the Moats Roadshow. Gayatri will be filming at it, interviewing 
uh, the people in the audience will show some of those interviews in the subsequent edition of the Mother of All talk shows. I'll be talking about uh, times past, times now, and the future that we need to build. And talking, of course, about the show. So please uh, get along to the Moats Roadshow in Sunderland on the 7th of February. Eric is in London. Wants to talk about Bernie Sanders. And thank you again for inviting your show. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I'm a big fan of Bernie Sanders, and, um, and I believe his politics is similar to yours in a sense that um, he very much believes in Medicare for all, um, a fairer society in, in America. Um, he also um, supported uh, Mick Lynch uh, with the train strikes. He came down. Um, and he's uh, very pro-Palestine, very sympathetic. He said that NATO were too strong. Uh, and I believe his type of politics are quite similar to yours. And I think he's a fantastic man. And he wants a much more fairer society in America, much fairer. And he said that things like Medicare is a human right, good education, all that. Yet on your show, I don't know, a few weeks ago, uh, you weren't very complimentary about him. And um, you didn't think it was all that great. So I'd just really like to know why. Well, he let us all down, Eric. Uh, I'll go further. He betrayed, Bernie Sanders betrayed us all because uh, all of those things you said he believes he has not uh, stood firm on. And he has given his support to the defense budget, nearly a trillion dollar defense budget, uh, which goes to prosecute NATO wars. He stood up for the train drivers, but supported the government of Joe Biden in crushing the train drivers. He was supposedly the leader of a blue-collar progressive revolt inside the Democratic Party, but he allowed the Democrats, of which he's not even a member, by the way, to fit him up, not once, but twice when they cheated him out of the nomination as Democratic nominee for president. So he's a coward without a backbone. He speaks with forked tongue. He says one thing but does another. He talks left but acts right. And above all, he therefore provides cover for the Biden crime family and the great crimes that it is committing against the people of the United States and against the people of the world. So I despise him because he was a false prophet. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing, which of course is worse than being a wolf. It's being a wolf that pretended to be a sheep. And therefore, I took his picture down from our Hall of Fame. I literally took it down. Bernie Sanders betrayed us all. And it's a very good lesson that we must not listen to what people say. We should study what they do. And those false prophets should be shunned. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Eric, in London. Back to the YouTube comments. The happy little fox, a.k.a. Benji, we all live under the same sky, but we don't all have the same horizon. 
which is a quote from Conrad Adenauer, not a person I've ever quoted on air before. And you have to be a certain age to even know who Conrad Adenauer is. Stratacat 2000 says, Europe is moving back to the ancient times of barbaric tribes. And Boca Janduma says, Vicky Newland has Zelensky by the cojones. And John Smith says, I damn love that you just endorsed door 24, George. He'd be a great candidate, actually a politician that cares about people and making positive change. I love Jimmy Dore. I hope he runs in 24. Michael in Minneapolis, who tried to tag me on Twitter and discovered it's no longer possible. I'm not making that up. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, yeah, George, I attempted to tag you this week, and I was, uh, I was shown all of the George Galloway parody accounts, of which there are a decent amount, but uh, I was completely unable to tag you. I tried on different devices several times. So that's not the thrust of my call, but that is true, and you are. It is impossible to tag you, and it is, it's uh, kind of a disturbing thing, really. Unbelievable. Anyway. Disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Because, not least because I've got 446,000 followers. I got 2,000 new followers in the last 24 hours. Imagine how many I'd have if I wasn't being shadow banned. True. I, it is terrible. And I, whatever's going on over at Twitter, they need to figure it out because it's a, it's a big problem. That is for yep. sure. So I call, what I called, though, about is this yep. spectacle and the United States uh, with the Speaker of the House. It took the longest amount of time to vote in a new speaker that it's taken since the 50s. And George, I'm talking about the 1850s here. It took 15 votes for Kevin McCarthy <laughs> to win the speakership for the Republicans. 15 votes. And the important thing here is that the Republicans are in the exact same spot the Democrats were in two years ago. They have a very slim majority, so that means that any, any small group of members can have an outside influ outsized influence. And they got, the far-right Republicans got an unbelievable amount of concessions, George. They got control of several committees and subcommittees out of that. Um, they put in a rule that says if the debt ceiling's raised, you, they must be accompanied with spending cuts, which, if that is kept to, would cause a $75 billion cut in the defense budget in two years. So that's something to pay attention to. Um, they, got, uh, they are voting on uh, appropriation bills separately rather than one omnibus spending bill. Um, and now one single member can call for essentially uh, for, for a vote um, on whether a speaker it remains or stays. I mean, I could go on and yeah. on. I, I'll stop. You, but you get the idea. They got a ton well, of Well, Michael, I'll tell you what. I'll tell, uh, no, I got it. Michael, imagine if Sanders and AOC and Omar and all these uh, bomb squatters, imagine if they had used their congressional power in the way that the right-wing Trumpists and the Republicans have used theirs, the concessions that they could have forced but didn't have the guts, the moral fiber to do so. Thanks for your call. I've got to make way, though, because there's a legend on the line. It's Norma in Bristol. Go ahead, Norma. Hello, George. Um, I only wanted to Hi. make a couple of points. Um, Li Jingjing, I think she's brilliant, you know. We learned so much about her, well, about what things that she says 
that we'd never hear from anybody else. I mean, she really is a tonic, isn't she? She's wonderful. She is, if the sun is rising in the east, she is one of the brightest rays of sunshine. That's why they make it so hard for her to be found on social media. Oh, no. You'd never, well, you'd never hear anything like that only on your program. Then the other thing I was going to say was, um, do you think you'll be able to get another venue for your note to note of war? Um, do you think you'll get another one? Yes, uh, I'm absolutely sure that we will, yeah. uh, but for understandable reasons, I don't want to announce anywhere no. right now, uh, because the same forces that acted to get the previous venue banned will immediately move into action. So we'll keep the new venue, uh, date, time, etc., as uh, much to ourselves as we can. Uh, we'll give the zone, uh, and then we'll, uh, at the last minute, announce the venue. And we'll make sure that it is copper-bottomed. But it's come to something, isn't it, Norma? That two distinguished members of the European Parliament, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace, the distinguished American from a distinguished member of the political aristocracy in the United States, Max Blumenthal, Anya Parimpo, two members, former members of the British Parliament, Chris Williamson and me, the deputy leader of ASLEF, the train drivers union, low-key, the highly popular uh, entertainer and political activist, Craig Murray, the honourable former British ambassador, Peter Ford, the honourable former British ambassador, that's who the panel were, and they can't find, even when they pay for it, a space to speak in central London to make their case, and we're supposed to be a free country, Norma. We're supposed to be a democracy. We're supposed to be the free world. And worse than that, the Labour Party danced publicly on the grave of the venue and the meeting, rejoicing that freedom of speech and freedom of assembly in the British capital had been so crudely crushed as a result of pressure. And we're supposed to believe that it would be a good idea to give these people a parliamentary majority. <laughs> no thanks. A Blair Starmer government would be the most serious threat to liberty that ever existed in this country of ours. Unfortunately, Norma, that's all I've got time for. I don't even have time to sum up the show. Uh, and so all that remains uh, is for me to invite you all back again on Sunday evening at 7 p.m. UK time for the mothership for the show that will never go down, for the curtain that will never fall, the mother of all talk shows, on Sunday night at 7 p.m. UK time. And please, please, sponsor the midweek show before we lose it. Thanks for joining me on the mother of all talk shows. <laughs>